Welcome to Beer, Beats, and Business, the business podcast for smart people who appreciate the insights found in a good conversation. That guy sitting at the end of the proverbial bar is your host, David J.P. Fisher, but everyone around here just calls him D-Fish. He's an author, speaker, and business coach. Basically, he's a professional talker. So grab a glass of your favorite beverage, grab a seat, and join us for today's episode. Let's see where the conversation takes us. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another interesting conversation with an interesting person. Today, the part of interesting person is being played by my friend, Stephanie Baiocchi. Stephanie is the Director of Membership and Events at Impact and a leader of the Chicago HubSpot user group. She currently leads the Impact Plus community and plans the Digital Sales and Marketing World event, which used to be offline, but now she's run 12 virtual events since the start of the pandemic and having to cancel that last offline version. So, uh, Stephanie, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? (laughs) You know, as I I say every time, and it's true every time, I am living the dream, and uh, partly because I am uh, drinking a beer from our sponsor this episode, Dovetail Brewery. Uh, right out of Ravenswood, Illinois. Oh man, which for everybody is part of Chicago. But I am drinking their lager. And on the side of the can, it says that it is a Franconian style lager. It's biscuity, smooth, and complex. And interestingly enough, those are all words that have been used to describe me. <laughs> it's all things I use to describe espresso. <laughs> there, there you go. And also David. <laughs> there you go. And, and it is very delicious. So thank you to uh, Dovetail for supporting us. And of course, have to give a shout out to our season sponsor, Northcut SEO. Uh, if you are looking to get found online, no matter what your business is, these are people that you need to talk to. Uh, my friend, Corey Northcut, the founder and CEO, has been a guest here on the podcast. And you can find them at northcut.com. And there's two T's in cut. All right. Bills are paid. We took care of the business. Let's have some fun. Stephanie, you ran events in the (laughs) offline world. Uh, Then there's this thing called COVID, changed everything. Everything went virtual. We've been doing that for almost 18 months now to varying degrees of success. Yes. What do you think events are going to look like in the future? And let's just say even for like the next 18 to 36 months. So for the next year or two. I love this question because unsurprisingly, I get it all the time and I used to be stressed by it. And now I'm like, whatever, we'll figure it out. We will, right? (laughs) Something will happen. Yeah. Something will happen and we will make it work. Uh, So I had an answer to this last week. And I think since then it's even changed, uh, which is fine. Like it's an exercise (laughs) in flexibility, truly. There you go. Uh, So I, I think one thing has held true for me through all of this from planning what was our in-person event to all of these online experiences through whatever the heck it is I'm trying to do now uh, and and looking forward to the future is that people value the same things. They want quality content or education or whatever the, they want to accomplish the goal they hope to get out of the event and you better deliver on that. Mm -hmm. And then they want meaningful connections. And I think it's, it's an absolute lie for anyone to be like, yeah, I want to go to an in-person event or I want to attend even a webinar. Um, but I don't want to talk to anyone. (laughs) Like crap. I mean, even if you say you're an introvert and you've loved the, the quarantine aspect of the pandemic, like great for you, whatever, but you're not going to this event, not wanting to talk to people. So 
Uh, like you said, to varying degrees of success, I've seen online experiences allow for people to connect in some really cool ways. Uh, but I think looking toward the future, I've always loved road shows. Like when mm. a, a business does an event in a couple of different towns and maybe okay. they take a, a local speaker from each town, but then they bring their big name keynote and they kind of do a tour from town to town. And then maybe right. they do a capstone event at the end. That's a bigger conference. Um, I love road shows. I love like I lead the HubSpot user group. I love small user group meetups. I mean, we even have a relatively professional meetup. Um <laughs> And I've been to that, I think. So yeah. Yeah. Hosting it maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think people really do value that opportunity because you get to have deeper conversations. It's not just that small talk exchange of a business card, Mm -hmm. uh, which I love. And then especially when you can infuse workshop elements into it or things where you're actually role playing or, or creating something, people are going to walk away from that feeling like they've it's been time well spent because they've actually done something. They're not just passively, hopefully absorbing information. I think that's that's a great insight. And I, I think you're absolutely correct when you talk about the two big things. And I'm sure there are other things that people get from events, but the two big things is content and that ability to engage and connect with the, the peers, with their other members. Yeah. That's always been something that I've struggled with a little bit as somebody who speaks at conferences and creates that content. You know, you love to think that people are in the audience for you, but the reality is eh, they could read a book, they could watch a video, <laughs> right? They could, there's other ways of getting it. Yeah. But I even think of for me attending events, it is always the conversations over lunch or you're getting a cup of coffee. I, I, I'm being very sincere. Like I can think yeah. of people. Saul Marquez jumps to my mind, a friend of mine who we were out in the hallway at Podcast Movement, I don't know, four or five years ago, and just started up a conversation and have done business together. He's a great guy. I remember that more than any. Yeah, I mean, I got a job from inbound, I don't know, 2015, probably from meeting someone I sat next to in a session. Mm -hmm. Like he ended up hiring me. And so it's those are those are such meaningful aspects of what a successful event experience looks like. Uh, I also think it's interesting when we look at what's going to happen in the future. One of the things I love is if you told people like, this is a thousand dollar ticket to go to a city you don't live in to drink relatively crappy coffee and like meet some people you may or may not like. No one would do that. But if you call it, you know, social media experience, whatever. Right. And you say that it has this keynote speaker and for a thousand dollars, you get to go and hear them and also get crappy coffee and connect with your peers. Like suddenly it's super appealing to someone who has budget and authority to buy the ticket. So what I love about what's happened is if someone's going to bother to get on a plane or a train or drive travel to an in-person event now, you better step it up. Like the bar is so high for an in-person event at this point because it's not enough to just say, well, I, I want to go. And it's it's really great networking. Like no one's going to fall for that anymore. You can network in your hometown. Right. And so if people are going to travel to your event, like you have to step it up for starters. But also I think all the events we're actually going to get to go to in person are going to be really, really great. And hopefully that gives the opportunity to have really great events more locally where we don't have to travel, which is great for expenses. It's great for families and at this point, health and safety. So mm-hmm. overall, I think that's a good thing. And I have seen some 
some people do some great online experiences uh, that don't involve travel. And, you know, you can do things that were never accessible to you in the past, be it for or travel or language barrier or accessibility, like whatever the reason is, um, everything's just become more accessible, which is great. Please, please, please do not try to do both. <laughs> like, well, well, let me interrupt because, and I want you to get to why you shouldn't do both. Because I, I think it's really interesting what you're saying is that what we've seen with all of the online events is that it is possible to do them. Yeah. And that there are some, well, let me even ask this. What have, what has really worked well with virtual events? Because we have to do it differently, right? Yes. We can't just hope that people get value from those conversations over lunch or while they're drinking that crappy coffee. <laughs> um, yeah. It has to be. And, and, I, and I actually uh, spoke at one of your online events. It mm -hmm. was, it was pretty cool. I was, I actually did it earlier and then watched it from an airport in, in <laughs> Austin, which was interesting. Like what's going well or what, what yeah. are virtual events good at? So I think because of the explosion of virtual event platforms or all event software kind of making that massive shift to virtual, uh, we have a lot of options now, which is great. There's really good uh, software out there that's come a long way in the past 14 to 18 months. And it works well. It's reliable. It's technically stable, which, which is wasn't great. true, right? It wasn't, wasn't true. really true. Yeah, like that. The best we had was Zoom, and that wasn't even that good. And so, I love the options out there. Whether no matter what kind of event you're looking to do, there's probably something for you. There's uh, there's a new one I just tried for the first time that allows for 16 people to be on camera and then hundreds more off camera, but but listening and watching. Mm, and it was a really okay. cool experience. So. I've seen people do um, a marketing themed improv show that was amazing. It was actually hilarious. Okay. I've seen people live stream a band that was the most awkward thing I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, <laughs> it just, it totally depends on how people execute it. But what I've seen work well and I think is good is uh, people who choose good software and vet it and make sure they have the proper bandwidth and it's just a take on the technical needs that you have to do to make a virtual event actually happen and work well. And then people who take the time to determine if something's live, and I mean live streamed, like as you're recording, it is streaming live, you better have a damn good reason why it's live. And you okay. better be engaging your audience, calling them out by name. Like you need to have some aspect of your experience that warrants it being live. If not, don't risk it. Don't bother because the odds of something going wrong are so high. <laughs> and then conversely, if you don't have to have it live, that not only gives you the opportunity, you are, in my opinion, obligated to make it look and sound better than a live stream would. Like right. there should be quality audio. There should be a little bit of editing and people should be watching something that's enjoyable to watch. There should be no poor camera quality, no tiny video. And the way that you do that and not just have it be an on-demand thing or something someone watches on YouTube is, is what you and I did, which is have a simu live event. And essentially mm -hmm. that's you take something, record it, edit it a little bit, and then you play it. If you've ever watched a YouTube premiere, it's similar to that functionality everybody gets to watch it together at the same time. They can chat along, but you can't jump forward in the recording. You can't go back. Everyone's having that shared experience. Gotcha. And that is part of what makes an event an event and not just watching something. <laughs> well, and I think that's really important is that you still have to make it an event. Yes. Right. Absolutely. That's what gets lost because I think with what I'm seeing is that a lot of these events that have gone virtual and even if, I mean, whether they're live streamed or they're not, it's, hey, you can watch it later. Okay, then I will. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and honestly, I probably won't. No, no, you absolutely will not. <laughs> right. So this idea of still making, because I do think that one of the things that live events gave individuals an excuse or a reason. Yes, everything you said about traveling to another city, the, it's a pain in the butt, it's expensive, the coffee's bad. But I just think of also, it's an excuse. Oh, yeah. Right. Not even and not it's in a, a negative reason. way. It's a reason. It's like, okay, I'm going, I'm saying saying goodbye to my family. We're- You've made an investment of time and money. Right. And it sucks because we, we've had some really, in my opinion, good virtual events. I'm biased because I put them on, but we encourage people to put up their out of office emails to block time on their calendar to say, attend this. Like you are attending this event. Right. You're not just putting it on a second monitor to watch while you answer emails. <laughs> We yeah. know from experience that people don't take that as seriously. If I say, hey, I'm going to be offline all Friday. I'm traveling to this event. Few people will Slack message me. If I say I'm going to be watching this virtual event, someone immediately within five minutes of it starting goes, hey, I know you're watching that thing, but do you have a second to read this? Like they just don't take it as seriously. Right. I don't know if we're ever going to break that. Yeah. So what happens or what is the best way then to approach the, the offline event? You know, for context, we're recording this in August of 2021. There's still a ton of uncertainty around oh events. Um, they they are filtering here and there. In my opinion, which could 100% be incorrect, is that we're not going to see any big events for at least maybe nine months to a year. So like mid-2022, just because it's such a long lead time, right? Yeah. And I think big organizations are like, you have a 23rd thousand person event you don't want to risk having to like yeah suck up the uh the deposit because there's a a flare-up of of covid where are live events going to live or how are people going to use them is it going to be the same is it going to be different yeah i mean i so we're still rolling over a contract that we've had since um April of 2020, (laughs) we've rolled it a few times Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're trying to just plan a 250 person event right now. And it's nearly impossible. We have speakers who may not be able to travel just from Canada, whether or not the border will be open. We have staff who may not be able to leave their families because of lack of childcare, or they have someone who's immunocompromised. They can't be traveling. We have, we're just struggling to sell tickets because people don't want to risk investing in something that they're gonna have to cancel all of anyway if they're so like it's right. even if you are allowed per se by the venue or the state to have an event, actually having it is nearly impossible right now. And mm-hmm. I'm experiencing that every day right now. <laughs> in your inbox every day. Yes, that is my whole inbox right now. Um so that's really tough. But I think I do think that local smaller events are absolutely the way to go right now. Uh, it mm-hmm. also lends itself in a really cool way to something that we should all be investing more in, which is the idea of a remote team and remote team members. You know, there are great people who you could have on your team, but maybe they're not willing to move. Mm-hmm. Well, now that we all have gotten relative, uh, at least most of us in this field have gotten used to working from home or, or we're just working remotely in general, maybe at a co-working space, you have the ability to hire great people without having to get them to move. What that also means is you can create little microcosms of your company, your organization in different cities. We have, I think five or six people in the Cleveland area. We have three or four here in Chicago and we have these little groups. We can meet up, we can have lunch, but we can also host a meetup of our clients or our prospects because there's three or four of us on the ground in a certain city. And so I would love to see more companies do that. Like 
a lot of people want to meet if you do a good job with your content and your events, people want to meet the people on your team. Your attendees want right. to meet each other. And uh, I know like people want to meet you or Andy, Cressadina, like without necessarily having to travel to DC or LA. <laughs> and so if we can have the Chicago chapter of whatever the thing is, uh, that gives you the opportunity to have a roadshow without really having anyone travel. Right. Uh, so I, I would like to see that. I think um, definitely more just smaller events are great. And then I think online events are still valid. I think that people who do them well, uh, make them engaging, either high quality, good editing, or really great technical execution and production, uh, are going to see kind of a second round of interest in this. It's just tough right now because we've all been at our computers for months and Mm -hmm. no one wants to be anymore. Everyone's outside. They're taking vacations. They're just virtual evented out at this point as well. But I I think we'll see a little bit of a resurgence in interest in online events in the fall because it's going to, for a majority of us, at least here in the Midwest and on the East coast, it's going to get colder. We're going to be back inside. Right. And, uh, there, as things change, people have insights to share. And if you can find a really good event, it can be absolutely great online. Well, I think one of the things to your point about local events, what online events do, I think they'll make a lot more sense in an industry way. Yeah. Right. Because yes, it's great to do local networking, but you and I, and we've actually, we actually met in an offline networking event in the Chicago area we're also spoiled a little bit because mm-hmm. of the size of the city. Chicago is, is I've, I'm finding is kind of known for having a very warm community, just not in any specific industry, just in general. We like yeah. to go to bars and hang out and meet new people. That's, that's not the case. And especially as you have more remote work, you'll have people that are like, I'm in a marketing position. I'm in a sales position. I'm in a tech position. And I live in a small town in upstate Wisconsin, yep. you know, so the local isn't, uh, as relevant as much as it is going to like an impact event, right? Where yeah. I'm going to meet other digital yeah. marketers or something Absolutely. like that. And I think like there's an aspect of local that's, you know, is it within a two hour drive? Like I've gone to speak at an event in Rockford before. Um, if it's, you know, a couple hours. Which is two hours from where we are for those not familiar. It's the other side <laughs> of Illinois. It's the other yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think it's going to be cool to see. I'm interested to see what people do. I'm sure there's something we haven't thought of yet that could be right. cool. I do see some cool things pop up. Um, so I ha- I have to get back to my point of hybrid because people oh, yeah. are talking about hybrid events. It's like, well, we'll just do a hybrid event. We'll live stream it for everybody else and we'll have everybody local attend it and then everybody can come to it. <laughs> it won't work. <laughs> like, I don't know how more clearly to just say don't do so- it. Tell me why. Like, I'll tell yeah. you the challenge because I've done these as a speaker and I can talk about that. But yeah. tell me what it, the challenge is from a, so first a organizer of all, like, point of view. The the tough thing is it's just so hard to be all things to all people. You're going to end right. up giving a subpar experience to everyone. And the technical execution required to have something have quality audio and visual to an in-person audience and live stream, it's very, very difficult. We did kind of a version of one uh, ourselves, we live streamed something from the stage in our office in Connecticut mm-hmm. and we had two or three people in our office helping. And even they could share a little bit about the experience being less than ideal. But even for our speakers, we could sure. see that we wanted to spotlight the speaker on zoom to the virtual audience, the online audience, but then our in-person event, uh, in-person audience and the speaker could no longer see all the zoom squares on the TV, uh, on <laughs> right, the monitor. Right, right. 
So, uh, it's, it's tough when you, the more you're streaming online, like I saw an event company do a hybrid event to showcase their hybrid event capabilities. And even in that, it was probably the best someone could have done it, but they had thousands and thousands of people attending online, blowing up the chat and the volume of the speaker was too low. And so this poor speaker got on the stage to this small in-person audience and said, I have this iPad here. I'm going to be able to pull up the chat and see everybody everybody on our online audience. Let's see what they have to say. And he pulls it up and all you see is just chats of, turn up the volume. We can't hear you. Your speaker's too quiet. <laughs> like, I mean, his face is just horror stricken and the online audience was frustrated. <laughs> like it was, and this isn't a hybrid event company that's doing right. it. So it, it takes an insane level of, of execution and production. I mean, let's just leave it to Saturday Night Live. Okay. Like there's only a few people who need to be doing something like this, but what you can do, it doesn't mean that you can't serve both audiences. You absolutely can. You can have an in-person event, Mm -hmm. record it with high quality, multiple camera angles, mic up your speakers, have a small exclusive in-person audience who gets that aspect of they get to be it close with the speaker. They get to ask the speaker questions directly. They get an intimate networking experience. Then you take that footage, you edit it nicely. You don't make it look like a recording of a conference that people missed out on. You make it look like a Netflix special that they was made for them. Right. And then you air that later on and you make that speaker available on the air date to answer questions, to still be engaged with the online audience. Ideally a virtual live Q and a with them after the fact, and you incorporate all the elements of the things that work. Uh, just don't try to do them all at the same time. I love that idea. I mean, as a speaker, again, I've I've done hybrid events, and it's it's really really hard. It's very hard on the speaker. Yeah, right. Because and I I do a lot of video. I do a lot of virtual work. I know that's a skill set. Speaking into an audience is a skill set. Trying to get those two to overlap is really tough because you can only really pay attention to one. And I mean, what are you going to do? Say, raise your hand if you think, and then everyone on Zoom is just going to raise their hand alone. Or how it's like it's raise your hand or click the raise hand button on Zoom just doesn't roll off the tongue. Well, and as you were talking about that idea of of recording it, editing it, and then putting it live later with some some opportunities for the speaker to engage with listeners, I I actually almost thought of the stuff I used to see here and there on PBS. Yeah. Yes. Like the old Wayne, I mean, this is maybe dating myself, but like Wayne Dyer or uh, the original Susie Orman stuff, they would have this audience of like a hundred people in a little, little studio, an event that's to them, you know, the speaker is speaking to them. They've got the whiteboard and everything or whatever, but then they, they recorded on four or five different cameras. It's to your point, it's well, Mike, the, the logistics are good. They edit it. I think people don't realize that all the good live music events they've ever seen, like on TV or something, have been highly edited. Oh, yes. Right? And if oh, you yeah. want to see the difference, go and look on YouTube at some concert footage. <laughs> somebody's cell phone. Uh, somebody's cell phone, and it sounds crappy, and you can't really yep. see anything. And then you watch something on Netflix, and again, a good director makes you not realize it. You're like, but if you can step back, you're going, oh, there's like five cameras. Yeah. There's not only audio balancing. mixing, <laughs> balance, yeah, balancing. I was gonna say like mastering, like yes, you, know, yeah. you can tell they've like taken this through post-production. Chin, yeah. So I, I think you're right. If you're going to try to do uh, or focus on both audiences, I love the idea of kind of separating them. 
Yeah, no one said it has to happen at the same time. And especially if making it happen at the same time is going to be a a less than optimal experience for both audiences, no one will be mad at you for creating a great online experience that doesn't happen at the exact same time as the in-person one. And more importantly, with the offline one, you can get quotes and testimonials from the people who attended and then use that to promote your online experience. That's, That's a great idea. You brought up Saturday Night Live. I actually don't think Saturday Night Live does a great job of it, right? Their in-person yeah. <laughs> studio, like I, for at least from what I've heard, I'm, I can't say I've been, but I've talked to people have. It's like sexy because you're there, not because you're saying, "Oh wow, this was such a great experience." You're just going, "Oh, you yeah." Know, and I think I'm, we I'm all here. even we all even know watching SNL, like, "Oh, we're watching something that was done for a live studio audience." Like you, you almost have that FOMO feeling. I think that's part of what they want. But think of like a Netflix special, like a comedy special from a comedian. You know it was filmed in a theater. But the way that it's edited, like look at any of Bo Burnham's past specials, not the most recent pandemic one. Um, (laughs) Which is a whole odd creation. (laughs) Yeah. That's if you are the one person right now listening who wants to put on an event for no one by yourself about yourself. But otherwise, still brilliant. But yeah, still great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you look at if you look at Make Happy, his special before that, I mean, that's a perfect example. Of, I saw it live; it was incredible. It was so great. Uh, but then seeing the highly edited Netflix version, it's yes, it's the same content, but it's a different experience entirely. And they're both great. And no, I don't want to watch your cell phone video version of it. <laughs> right. And if if you had just a cell phone version of even a clip of it, it wouldn't be the same because you can't just take that offline experience and put it through that very simple lens and have it be exactly the same. And so I even, I think that even gets that idea of how do you acknowledge and accept that the experiences are going to be different and that's okay. Yes. And that's a huge part of it. If you, we go back to where we started, if it's the content and the relationships or the, the ability to start connections. Yeah. Content and connection. Both the virtual and the offline, you can get both. Mm-hmm. In both, but you have to kind of approach it very differently. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. And in the same way that you could say you had an in-person event, you recorded the keynote speaker aspect of it, and then you had a breakout workshop for your in-person audience. Just don't record the workshop and then have that same speaker host a virtual workshop where everyone's at their computers, they're doing the same activities and they put up a timer on the screen, but it's hosted in an online way. Sure. Absolutely, way to do both, but you don't have to have your keynote speaker do the presentation twice. You get this nice, edited, beautiful version of them on a stage. It's much more of a pleasure to watch. Right. No, I love that. And just because we can keep talking about the online versus the offline for a while, I know you're a huge music fan. I, I think this summer here in the Chicago area, you did get a chance to get out and see some music. Yes. Tell yes. me about what's what's the best show you saw. I know I know you recently moved next to Ravinia, which is a big yes. uh, music. Uh, venue here in the Chicagoland area, an outdoor music uh, festival. What, what did you see? Yeah. So, oh gosh, I think we went to at least 10 shows at Ravinia this summer already. Nice. A lot of symphony orchestra. We did Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture this past Sunday, and they use real cannons, which is always fun. <laughs> like literal, actual cannons. Okay. Okay. Uh, one of the ones I'm most excited for, though, actually hasn't happened yet. It's uh, next Thursday, August 26th. It's Lake Street Dive. I have been loving their music lately. They're going to be at Ravinia, and I'm really excited for that one. Um, and then I think well, I don't know Lake Street Dive. Who's what? What do they do? I'm not cool anymore. I got I got a toddler. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, they're like a indie alternative jazzy pop. 
<laughs> the only sure, way I can describe sure. it. Hey, by the way, I am biscuity smooth and complex. So yes, it's all well, good. <laughs> I am indie alternative jazzy pop. <laughs> uh, they're going to be great. Uh, I think the probably the most fun show I saw, though, was uh, Alan Cumming and Ari Shapiro did a cabaret. And huh, it was okay. absolutely hysterical. It was so great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Did you actually get to to go into the the seats? Oh, the pavilion. I did not go into the pavilion for that one. But my favorite spot, Irvinia, is when you exit the back of the pavilion. There's a small sidewalk, and then the first lawn right there. You can still see the stage and the screen. And so we sit right there. There, very smart. So if if you have not been to Irvinia, if you're not even in the Chicago area, if you get a chance in the summer. Come to the Chicago area, go to Ravinia. It's actually like this huge park that just has like. And people take picnicking there very seriously. I've seen people, and, and we go like once or twice a summer. We're not as hardcore <laughs> as you, but I have seen people pull in like wagons. Oh, that's me. Yeah. yeah. We have yeah. tables with tablecloths, real plates. Well, it's a transformer. You pull it away, you like push a button, and all of a sudden. <laughs> It really is. My favorite thing is when people roll in a whole picnic cart. They set up a blanket, a table, pillows. They have cloth napkins, and they bust out like a bucket of KFC. That's the way to do it. That is the way. I I, I think that's uh, brilliant. Right Blue Malnati's. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right. Very cool. And, you know, I've been drinking the uh, the Dovetail Lager. I know you've been drinking with me. What are you drinking today? Yes. Um, I'm drinking something from uh, Old Irving Brewing. I love. Uh, it's actually their hard seltzer, which I had never tried, but they donated to the Ravinia event on Sunday, which was very nice of them. Um, and so this is called Sparkle Tropical. It's a hard seltzer with pineapple, coconut, and allspice. And it is surprisingly good. It wow. tastes exactly like, you know, those little freezer pops you have in your kid, the yellow one. Like if you melted <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that's what it tastes like. And I, it's a melted alcoholic version of that. You should, you should tell them to uh, freeze those, you know, adult freeze, adult freezy pops. Cause I don't know about you, but I mean, when I was little, if you had those freezy pops, you always waited till it melted. You just let them melt anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to have it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Stephanie, it's always fantastic hanging out. I think I think we've kind of we kind of took care of business. I think we yeah. we touched on everything we, we should have. Uh, what's the the best way for somebody to follow up with you if they wanted to continue the conversation? Uh, LinkedIn for sure. Just Stephanie Bayoki on LinkedIn, or if you can't spell my last name, Stephanie, and then Impact is the company. <laughs> there you go. We'll make sure we have all of the links in the show notes. And at the end of every conversation, I always ask my guest, what's one piece of advice you'd give somebody to help them have a better day today? Much as I want to say, don't do a hybrid event. Um, <laughs> I think we've got that one. We've got yes, that one taken yes. care of. My actual advice would be um, if you don't currently take meditation seriously, or you have never meditated and you've kind of written it off as silly, give it a try. I have gone from, from thinking it was silly to meditating every single morning. And I just, I love it. Very cool. I'm a fan and practitioner myself. So awesome for sharing that. Stephanie, thank you so much. And of course, thank you to our sponsors mentioned Dovetail Brewing. I am almost done with my lager and it is everything they said it would be, basically <laughs> smooth and complex. Uh, but they're uh, on the north side of Chicago in the Ravenswood neighborhood. So uh, you can check them out there. And as I always say, if you uh, you aren't in the Chicagoland area, that's okay. Support your local brewery, distillery, cafe, vineyard, vineyard, cidery, or, you know, if you don't, it doesn't have to be alcoholic, your local restaurant, food to table supplier, farmer's market, 
you know, take care of the, the people in your community that are trying to take care of you. It's been an interesting 18 months of existence. So, hey, they need the help that they can get. And of course, thank you as well to Northcut SEO. Uh, they are masters at helping people get found online. So if you are going to run a virtual event and you want to have more people come to it, or I guess even an offline event, make sure you get great SEO for your website and uh, Northcut can help you with that. Go find them at northcut.com. There's two T's in cuts. Uh, and with that, everybody, thank you so much. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to hit the subscribe button and be sure to tell people the best way to find out about podcasts, considering there are quite literally uh, a million of them, I think now, <laughs> is through somebody that we know, a friend, uh, a trusted advisor, so to speak, family member. So tell people that you enjoyed it. And uh, I really am grateful for you spending a few minutes with us today. Have a wonderful rest of your day doing whatever it is you do. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for stopping by. You can find show notes and links in this episode at beerbeatsandbusiness.com. We all know the best way to find out about a new podcast is through our friends. So please help us out and share what we're doing through social media or just tell someone. And if you could do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes or Stitcher, that would be great. Want to get in on the conversation? Send DeepFish a message on Twitter at DeepFishRockstar. And we'll save a spot for you at the bar for the next Beer, Beats, and Business. <laughs>